0: Is BJ Council. I view the world through the lens of having been followed by a white clerk as a child while shopping in a five and dime. I'm a retired police executive and own UN5O, which gives guidance on surviving interactions with police. So how you guys doing? Thanks for joining UN5O's podcast.
1: I'm well. Thanks for having us.
0: Uh, thanks. So uh for those of you that are joining us for the first time, my name is BJ Council, and uh, UN50 is based in Durham, North Carolina. Uh, and we uh, talk about different things that deal with policing. Uh, UN50 deals with teaching individuals how to interact safely with law enforcement. And for those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome. And for those of you that listen to us on a regular basis, thank you for the support, and we really appreciate it. Uh, What we do here is talk about things that are police-related, but we also talk about things that are not police-related, mental health, community things that go on that can be supportive so people don't end up getting into the judicial system. So we try to make this a holistic conversation. Um, Our belief here is that everybody needs to be at the table to have this total discussion. So tonight, what we have are two officers from Kinston Police Department in Kinston, North Carolina. A uh, little bit of background, as far as I'm concerned, I've been working with them uh, since about 2019, uh, doing UN5O work, uh, primarily in schools, but in the community and having the conversation and working with the police department there. Uh, just so you'll know, if you look up Kinston, Kinston is a small Eastern part of North Carolina, and it is predominantly the demographic is African-Americans. And I enjoy working with Kinston because they have the conversation, the relationships with their community is open and they they definitely believe in having the uncomfortable conversation and I support that wholeheartedly um of the work that they're doing. So tonight their chief uh Keith Goyet and Captain Jenkins, who is uh, you won't see him, you may not and you won't hear him, they were very supportive of me having two of their officers on the show. They are School Resource Officers, or SROs, and we're going to be talking about that and what they see on the ground level for the schools. So we'll get into that. So first, uh, let me introduce you and let them tell you a little bit about themselves, um, and I'm going to go in the order of Senior Officer, so I think that's when I'm going to start with uh, Officer Muborn. if you'll just tell right. us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, yes, like she said, I'm um, Officer Rob Mewborn, um, been with the Kinston Police Department for a little over five years. Uh, my current role is uh, SRO, where I have served for uh, the last five years. I was um, born and raised right in Kinston, North Carolina, so I am a product of Kenston. Um So I, I get the privilege of being able to work where I grew up at and give back and, you know, give back in that way.
0: Right. Awesome. Thank you. And I'm going to talk about that, too, the fact that
2: you're there. All right. Then we have
0: Officer Rouse. Let's hear a little bit about you, Officer Rouse.
2: Hello, I'm Officer Rouse. Um, I have been hired with the Kitsap Police Department for three years, just beginning to be a school resource officer. So far, so good. I've been enjoying it. Um, just as Officer Born, I'm also from Kitsap, North Carolina, born and raised here. So it's good to kind of see familiar faces in the community. That definitely helps out a lot with being a police officer.
0: Well, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start with that right there because I mean, need to talk about that. I was, right. a, I was on a panel this weekend. And one of the questions were uh, for the law enforcement personnel that were there was, why aren't we hiring more from local, um, from here, you know, from Durham and and, and those types of things. And, you know, they got the basic, it's hard to hire, it's expensive to live here and blah, blah, blah. So my response was, you know, for the black community, we got to stop vilifying
1: police officers. Absolutely. Yeah. And so especially
0: in our black community, you know, you're you're looking at them and not really telling your child. It's just something to be proud of. And right. So we so in the black community, we got to change that paradigm shift. So you got I did not I knew, knew Bern, you were from Kingston, but this mm-hmm. is awesome. Right. Man, this is this is this is like I, I couldn't have even started this off even better. Right. I mean, Absolutely. this is exactly we got two black police officers who live in their community. They are working in their community. And she just said she knows folks. Right. That makes it. That makes for well, Y'all yeah. even even get that. that I'm going yeah. to let y'all go with that. But I'm going to say well, that y'all just blew know, me like out of water with that right there. I'm just, right. I'm just happy.
1: Go ahead. Well, go like ahead. I said, it makes a, it makes a big difference um, oh. and when we talk about um, why aren't there any officers who are applying or who, um, you know, who just see fit to be a cop. A lot of them, um, they're afraid to come out of that norm. You know, they're, they're afraid to be categorized as. You that you're the one that came out and said you want to be a cop. You know, not everybody from the hood. Let's just be honest. Not everyone from the hood, uh, if you will, want to be the police. And the ones who do are afraid to step out and do that because they're afraid of the backlash or what the community is going to say or what their friends is going to say, right, you know, right. things like that. And uh, for me, um, I was, you know, I was like I said, I was a product of Kingston. And um, I just wanted to do something different. You know, being a cop was something that I wanted to do. I didn't know how to do it because, you know, keep in mind, you know, in my neighborhood, there wasn't a lot of black cops. Okay? Right. So right. I didn't have that role model or that person that I could go to and say, hey, look, I want to be a cop. What do I need to do? You know what I mean? Um, so, it, it, you know, it took me going through, you know, a lot of things that find my calling or to find out what I wanted to do. And and once I became a cop, you know, I had people in the community who, you know, would come up to me and say, "Look, man, I wanted to do it, but my record, or I wanted to do it, but man, my family just won't go for it." You know, so uh, me coming out and doing it to me, um, you know, to me it was a it, it was an accomplishment, if you would. Um, you know, look, just a little bit about me. I was I was a high school dropout. I dropped down in ninth grade um, and had no direction of. You know, or no purpose of what I wanted to do with my life, you know, and you know we both know that you know, and I think the old people say it a lot of idle mind is a devil's workshop, so if you don't have anything positive that you're doing, something negative is is bound to follow. So yeah, just kind of got tied up with the wrong crowd, um, and uh, I had my first child at a very young age, and 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 my father was very adamant. You know, you're gonna have to do something. You know, I'm one of them old schools, and my father was old school. So he was like I, you you dropped out of school you had to go to work you're going to have to do something. And I think from there I just started going back and uh working and later on I did go back to school um, obviously. But it was just that whole that whole picture of just not having that that role model or that guidance or something that I can look up to and feel like okay I can do this, you know. Man, you I, This is awesome. I mean yeah.
0: this, this this is exactly what we need to hear. I mean, because I mean, just that. I mean, I was almost in tears as soon as you said about there were no black role models, police officers for me to see. Right. That's huge. Okay, we're gonna yeah. come back to that. But I need Rouse to talk, about it, because she's she from kissing too.
2: <laughs> um, what well, mine is with me being in the younger generation. Um, a lot of people say what they would do, and especially like with social media, you see it a lot happening. Why do they do this and why do they do that? But a lot of people aren't willing to actually come inside and figure out why. And if you don't like that, why make changes, you know, actually have your input in it. And so that's why I really wanted to join. So, cause I see both sides being in the community. I know why they feel the way they do. I I mean, I'm I'm black as well. I know why how I used to feel when I see stuff that's happening on social media. So I wanted to come in and kind of voice my opinion that way to say, okay, I see why the community feels this way. And also understand why the police act in this way but trying to find a way to kind of mend it to. Um, so just little things that I've been doing in the community, just going out. Um, recently, I spoke with community people in the community on how we can better our relationship and just speaking with them and kind of bringing it back to the police department, having a little PowerPoint on their viewpoint and what they would like to see from us to, like I said, kind of mend the relationship so they can see us in different perspectives. So that's kind of why I wanted to become a police officer.
0: Man, y'all knocking it out of the park and we ain't even been talking for five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is this is exactly it. I mean, that that guy asked that question, and I cannot believe the universe put you two right here in front of me, both from Kinston yes. and, and doing this. Uh, um I think that whole I know. I don't think I think I ever really thought of it in a in a manner of I didn't see a black police officer. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and and I also appreciate your story too, newborn. Because I went to college and I didn't graduate. Because I ain't gonna go into details, but let's just say I did Right, I get <laughs> and, it. I
1: yeah,
0: yeah. And so I needed a job, mm-hmm. and the, you know they were hiring. I was working three part-time jobs, and then somebody said you might be a good place. I was like, I can work one job and get one. More than I'm making with three child, sign a sister up, you exactly. know. So and then that's the universe, a yeah, yeah, that's another minor <laughs> right there. But then the universe said, "This is where you're supposed to be." Right. You know, and then the fact that you that you did this because you wanted to do something different. Right. And you wanted and to be a role model.
1: Yeah. Right, and and I think the important part is, and I think in the black community a lot of, I wasn't afraid to be different. You know, in the the black community, we have a a standard that is created within the black community as, okay, if I can ball good, I'm gonna play basketball. Okay, if I can throw it good, I'm gonna play football. And what we do is we align the kids with that one vision without allowing them to see, hey, look, there's other ways that you can do it. You know, you can be a cop, you can be a probation officer, you can be a detention officer, you can be a jailer. There are other things that you can do in that black body where you're not categorized or the the whole stigma of going to the NBA because we don't realize it, but we put a lot of pressure on a child when we never really stop and ask that child, what is it that you want to do? All right. Basketball may not be for you. You may can do it good, but that's probably something that you don't want to do. What do you want to do? And I think that's that's one of the conversations that probably need to be had in the black community. Take time with that young person and find out what is it that they do want to do. Right. As opposed to what we're pushing them towards, and I see that a lot, you know. Right. Um, you know, you talk with the average the the average kid on the streets. he's gonna tell you he want to play basketball. He want to play football. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know Can't what see beyond know? that. Yeah. And, and and if you say, well, why not be a cop? They're gonna frown against that. And I mm-hmm. think one reason is because the community as a whole, right. And we see and teach these kids. We're teaching them against police officers.
0: Yeah, exactly. In actuality,
1: exactly. something happens. Who the, you gonna the call? Going to be the first one there. But they're gonna, they're gonna be the co- call.
0: Yeah, you, you ain't know. calling them ghostbusters. You call them, yeah, call them you know. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, like, so I, think we, I think we're setting them up to fail when we do that and you know, don't give them that clear guidance, you know.
0: Yeah, Ralph, if you don't mind, uh, because I'm an old school police officer, so what, what, how do you mind telling me how old you are? I'm 24. Okay, so there we go. So, we and so you are considered Gen Z or or which, which. Which one of those letters are you? I, <laughs> do you I know? have no idea? You have no idea, <laughs> Man, <I> just, <laughs> Yeah, you might be Gen, Gen Z. You might be oh Gen X. I don't know. But the bottom line is, twenty years ago. So you were, you came up. Who who was who was president when you realized who was president? When you knew who was president, were you paying attention? When, who do you remember as a president?
2: Like the main one be up President Obama. <laughs> okay, that's like the main one I actually paid attention to, just being
0: honest. Oh no, 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 that's okay, and that's what I'm saying. So, so that's that's the kind of the era that you came up in. So you came up in the era of Trayvon Martin. Yes, ma'am. You came up in the era of. Would you have come up in the era of Michael Brown? You were not a police officer when Michael Brown occurred, correct? No, ma'am. Okay, so what reason I'm asking that is that we also have to remember that individuals like you, Officer Rouse, are coming to the law enforcement and you know what has been happening over the last 10 or 15 years. And you Mm -hmm. still chose to come into this industry with this reputation or in this moment. So kind of talk about that, knowing right? you're in Kingston and all this other stuff that's been going on, you know, because ain't nothing been new, it's just that the phone's new, right? Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about how that You coming up seeing all this police brutality and killing of black bodies, but you still chose to be the popo.
2: Well, it's kind of just like what I said earlier, watching it on social media and seeing it, it's always so much you can do actually seeing it instead of being inside it and with it. Um, So when I seen it and well used to see it, um, speaking of those two deaths, it's like an uproar. You know, I felt the rage just as everyone else in my community felt. And so with me, I'm just like, well, what can I do to hopefully stop it um, so I don't have to keep seeing this so it can't be something that's become like a norm? Um, so that's really why I kind of wanted to get my foot in the door, because if everybody just kind of sits back, and just watches it, nothing's going to really change or be done. You actually have to have people in there that's willing to, you know, have their partner, wait, back up, stop, um, or call people out when they're doing wrong and If not, then, like I said, it's just going to keep on happening. So with me, I don't mind, you know, if I see Officer Newman he's kind of getting upset, hey, I got it back up. And he's the same way with me. So you just kind of have to have people that's willing to step up and stop stuff like that from happening. And I know that I was willing to be that police officer. So I definitely want to join just that kind of, like I said, hopefully help.
0: I'm going to give a shout out to uh, Captain Kevin Jenkins. I think I know he's in the room and I want to say, man, thank you for these two. These are awesome people right here. <laughs> this is awesome. Um, so yeah, so so this is that's good stuff. So I, I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, that that's that says a lot. I'm glad we started with that. So you guys are um, school resource officers. And, yep. you know, one of the things that that I talk about in some of the work that I do is just, you know, how do we help out how youth not to enter into the system? You know, what, what are some things? And one, the one reason, I think the conversation I wanted to have with, with you, uh, the both of you, obviously being both black and in a city that's predominantly African American, I just kind of want to talk a little bit about what you're seeing on the ground. Uh, when you talk, when you're dealing with kids and, and, you know don't want to be obviously calling anybody out but i kind of want to talk about when you, being police officers we see stuff we see the things that don't nobody else want to see don't nobody else want to talk right. about blah 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 but we also the stuff that we're seeing we also if we in this business long enough realize that if that situation does not change that we're going to see this individual either bleeding out on the street. Right or in the judicial system, so I just kind of want you to talk about some of the things that you know that you see, and also you know not, and then we can talk about some of the things you think can be beneficial to um to community members and and to our young to our youth in the next generation. So right. whoever wants to take that first.
1: Well, I I think I'm a, I'm gonna start it off with the with the, with the elephant in the room with which is the obvious the gangs. Um, I I mean we're seeing a big problem with gangs. Um, not saying that it has never been a problem, but I think we're seeing more of a problem now because we have, you know, some of our rappers who are heavily engaged in our gang activity, which and we know that most of our youth are listening that rap. And, you know, to those sensitive ears, it's like gold. And I think what's happening is that we we are right now. I think not only parents, law enforcement or anybody in authority, whether it be principals or whoever. Um, I, you know we're, we're we're fighting an endless fight, and the reason I say that is because the the, the parents are going to deal with it at home, but then when that child comes to school, that principal and that SRO are going to deal with it. We're going to deal with the attitudes, we're going to deal with the disrespect, we're going to deal with you know um the the marijuana and all all different types of stuff that you know we would have to deal with, and um not placing the blame on gangs alone because we know all that right. it's, it's three and fourfold. You know okay. it's more than just that, but I think. Um, you know, I think if we go head on and start dealing with the gangs, we would probably eradicate a lot of the other problems that we deal with in school. And like I said, the gangs, the, the disrespect, um, you know, th- some kids are not coming to school for different reasons, you know, so things of that nature.
0: Um, so let me, let me, before, Ralph, before you go, I, I kind of want to talk about the, the gang, the rappers, and uh, because the first thing, you, the first thing they're going to say, oh, that, that ain't my problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They get right, first- Absolutely. Yeah, because I right. mean, and, uh, yeah. So t- tell me, uh, because you do work with children.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think based on that, what
0: you see. Okay, one I was asking you is based on what you see. You can say, you can say with a lot of conviction that it does impact this child based on what this person is saying.
1: And I think for the for the feeble mind to say it's not my problem is like me going home every day. In, in, in my home, shutting my door, cutting my TV on, getting my lemonade and getting my remote and saying, okay, whatever happened today is not my problem. You know, I would be less than an SRO if I would say that because in actuality, it is my problem, you know, and I think as adults and not only as adults, but, um, you know, law enforcement as well as a community, we got to hold ourselves accountable for the youth, okay? We got to be in a position where, you know, we got to, you know, we got to go with this thing head on and start dealing with you, finding out what's going on with them. How can we help? How can we be the problem? How can we be? I'm sorry. How can we be the solution to your problem? You know, and I think what, what we're seeing a lot is that, you know, when it come down, I'm going to go back to this. When it comes down to the basketball, we will support the kids when, they, when they're having a basketball game. But when they're having a crisis, uh, when, when mom is out the home, when dad is out the home, when they're having internal issues you know, are we there? Are we there supporting them, you know? So, I think that's definitely a conversation that we need to have. You know, we need to be more accountable, you know, in terms of the youth.
2: Okay. Alright. Your turn, Rose. Um, with <laughs> me, working with younger students, I think it's more so the fact that they want, like, attention. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. So, some are willing to resort to anything just so they feel like a human, almost. And I think part of that kind of starts at home you know we're not home with them so we don't really know all that goes on at home but it really boils down to attention if you're not getting an attention that's when you are mainly more on social media you are listening to the music and doing all that so it's filling your head up with kind of the violence part instead of the i love you's and the hugs that you're not really getting so i really think that they just long for attention and when they're not getting it they're more likely to result in violence and the fights and being disrespectful, but it's just like, they just have so much rage built in and some of them really just don't know how to communicate yet because they are a younger generation. Um, So not really knowing how to properly communicate and having that void of affection and attention just kind of creates a problem. And it's hard to fix that because like I said, it starts at home and by us not being, you know, home with them, of course, um, we're kind of getting like the backlash of it. So when they come to schools, you know, of course, we're getting them hugs every morning. We're giving them high fives and daps and checking in on them. And it definitely does help, I think, because um, you have the kids at first with me just starting out as a school resource officer that wouldn't speak to me at all. Um, no matter that, I could step right in front. Hey, how you doing? And it's like, it's a brick wall. It's, I'm not here. Um, but it continues. Hey, how you doing? Good morning. I hope you have a good day. And just showing them, like, I'm here, you know. I, I can be that person that you can talk to. And so now I have students that was not talking to me at all that's willing to actually run up to me. Good morning, Officer Rounds. how you doing? <laughs> you know? Wow. So I think it's just like I said, it all boils down to attention. And like I said, they're not getting it at home. Some aren't, unfortunately. So we as the SROs are happy to step in and do more just so they know it's other routes. You know, it's people out here that do care for you. And, you know, just... Finding other avenues instead of, like I said, the violence and
1: filling your head up with things that
2: aren't
1: really good for you. Right. I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. Before you ahead. say, it, BJ, I think um, Officer Rouse touched on something that's very important, um, and and um, I think it's probably it probably need to be said because I think a lot of parents dealing in this era that we're dealing with and, and the climate in which we live in. Um, because I'm old school as well. I'm 44, so <laughs> you know I grew up old school. You know, my father was very old school. He wasn't a domineering father, but he was he was passive to a certain degree. And one thing I wasn't allowed to do is express myself. Okay, Mm. it's what my parents say, and that's what it is. But the the society in which we live in now, I think is very important. And it should have been important then that when you're dealing with the young people, at least listen to what they're saying. They want to be heard because like you, myself and, and Officer Rouse. No matter what it is, we still want to be heard. We still want to get our point across. So when you have a child who has gotten to some type of issue and you're telling this child, I'm going to give you the consequence and I'm not going to allow you to express yourself. You're building more anger because now Mm -hmm. the child simply want to express to you why they did what they did. This is why Mm -hmm. I did. And from my experience, most of the time, time, that child know that they are wrong. They just want you to hear what they got to say. Just right. hear their side. And I think in a lot of homes that, that need to be done, you know, not mm-hmm. trying to critique a home, but I think if more parents would say, okay, let me, let me hear what you say. All right, let me hear your side. The teacher said you did this, or the SRO said you did this, or that principal said you did this. Let me hear your side. And a lot of times, just allowing them to vent. Right. It, it makes right. for a better conversation, you know.
0: Right, right. So I want to get some cl- clarity. I mean, I think I know the answer, but when you talk about they're not getting attention at home, I think for some folks uh, that might not understand what we see on the ground level, um as to what is that what does when you say that, I mean, again, I think I know the answers, but just in a in a generic kind of form of, you know, what's happening at the house that you may um, or be aware of, you know, the you know, at certain houses, there, you know, there's someone there using drugs, there's abuse or, you know, I, and I hear, you know, I know the stories. So just kind of give us, give the audience some, but you're not, you're just not saying they're not getting attention at home. It's because you kind of know what may be going on at the house. you trying to right. talk about that just a little bit.
2: And I wouldn't even say, I mean, of course it is a fact there, and sometimes it is something that occurs about drug use and abuse happening between the mother and the father but it's also mom and dad could work you know and they're having to almost watch themselves they're having to be a parent to their younger siblings, and so I think that definitely plays a factor just not having an older adult there and even though I do say you know giving a hug or saying I love you but sometimes even that's not enough for a kid It's actually like sitting down on the bed with them. How was your day at school? What happened Mm -hmm. today? Do you need help with your homework? Because yeah, a hug, you know, I love you can only go, you know, but so far because that could be said while I'm walking out the door to go to work. So it's just like finding that time. And I know it's hard because people do have to work. um, But actually find that time to really like sit down with the kids to actually Mm -hmm. kind of get more personal with them. Well, Mm -hmm. I can say with your child, um, to get more personal with them. I think that'll definitely help out.
0: So I want, thank you, Rouse, for correcting me and always making and making sure that I don't stay in this assumption that it's always about drugs and abuse. So I really appreciate you correcting that. And that, that helps my listeners as well, too. I mean, we got to remember these are single mothers sometimes or mother and father at home and they're doing their best. Right. They're doing their best because they got to go to work and then, and then. You know, it, it really just, we start going down that rabbit hole about, you know, living wages, you know, houses and, jo- you know, jobs that, so they can be home.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> you know, right. so they can be home, yeah. that they can both work in a, in a manner that we, that, mm, you know, the most of us, and to including black folks, we're privileged. I mean, we don't usually say the word privilege for black folks, but we privileged. I mean, we yeah. we, we got ours. Yeah. And there are some folks that, that we got to realize there are still folks um, that are struggling and, and doing all they can do. Right, right. And unfortunately, yeah, so was... um, their children end up suffering if they don't have if they don't have a village. Right, right. They don't have a village to help out. So, uh, newborn, you got anything on that one?
1: Um. I mean, and I think it's, it's vital that we say what time is. I mean, we look at the thing time, T-I-M-E. That time can be just just a conversation about that child's day. And I'm, I know I'm kind of going back to that a little bit because I understand the importance of it. And I think we should understand the importance of it when it comes down to them young people. Because, I mean, what I see a lot is that kids, we got to understand that these kids are dealing with grown-up situations yeah. with a 15 or 16-year-old mind. Yeah. You know, sometimes we dealing with it with an adult mind with 40, 50, 20 some years experience. Plus yep. experience, And we still have trouble processing it. So that's I true. think it's important that we understand the struggles that they go through right. in trying to figure all this stuff out at 13, 14, 15, yeah. 16 years old. It's hard. So I think it is important that, you know, that that time piece, just spending time. If it's not 15 minutes, if that's what you got, you know, but yep. take that 15 minutes and make it a valuable 15 minutes that you spend with that child, you know um e- even now find out you know their friends i think that's important find out about yeah. their relationships you know what type of relationships they're involved they're involved in you know things things like that
0: mm-hmm. go ahead rouse you were amening him on that one Yeah,
2: hey, <laughs> <saying, most> <laughs> <laughs> you
0: were and him on that one yeah um yeah we uh, you guys have just been really really awesome and i think what what we got to figure out as i'm listening to you um you know, I said to use the term the village, I think also as black community members, we need to figure out how to reach back and get one. Right. You ain't got to get I mean, you got to get everybody. You know, you just reach you back and get money. one. Just get one. I mean, I yeah. and, you know, I tell people I, I, I got my one. I've had her for 15 years. Right. And uh, she's still struggling. Mm-hmm. But she's still doing what she she need to do, you know, but she's right. still struggling. And and, Mubar and I appreciate what you said. Every now and then she just call and talk about whatever she's going through. And she just needs mm-hmm. the ear to listen. You know, she's 20 something man, but she's still right. calling and talking to me. Yeah. And and I mentioned um, the thing that makes me feel really good is that besides her telling me that she loves me because I got her or we met when she was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Her father's a drug dealer. Back in prison again. Mm-hmm. At the age of nine, she was with, at his house, uh, and his and the girlfriend, got, She what she says was, she said, I remember the Timberlands, the Thames, mm-hmm. kicked in the front door, and there was a gunfight. Daddy at the top of the stairs, guy coming in the door, and they were shooting at it. This girl is wow. nine years old. And so, she's still good. But what she says to me is, I saw different.
1: hmm Mm-hmm. Mm. That was it, you right. know. I said
0: so. So all, you know, you guys are talking about all we're saying for folks and black folks and those allies, mentor somebody,
2: right? Okay. Yeah,
0: you know, so you can help that kid who needs the attention that Rouse is giving a hug to, right? And, and, it, and it doesn't cost anything. It, it really is just as you said, T I M E. That's, that's all. It. That's, that's it. all. And, um, and and we need to do that better as a community of black folks who have become bougie and have gotten you know we got I got mine you know I got mine um and we gotta we gotta reach back and help folks because like Rouse and I really appreciate you checking me on that too people out here trying to do the best they can and and trying to keep a roof over their house trying to keep the lights on trying to keep food on the table they're doing all they can do and the and unfortunately who suffers is the child
1: I mean, even with two people, it's hard. So, it, right. yeah. it's yeah, sometimes you know,
0: yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so now that we've kind of talked about what you, what in your opinion, and the work that you guys are doing, what, what are what are some of the things the community can do? Because I know, you know, Rouse, I appreciate some of the stuff you're talking about, talking to the community and getting them to the table. But I'm also uh, a supporter of uh, stop looking at the popo to do everything, right. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I, I get we want to do as much as we can. I get SROs are you know, caring and loving and all that, but that's not that's not our lift. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have a particular role. Right. You know? And and so I guess I just kind of want to know from both of your viewpoints as to what needs to happen.
1: Well, you know, what, it, what are some it,
0: things that need to be put in place? Resources? What 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 needs to
1: happen? Well, I feel like we need programs. That are going to be geared towards the success of a child. I understand school, but I'm going to be very honest. There are some people in school, and I'm going to be very honest, when I graduate, well, when I got my diploma, my my GD, um, a lot of the stuff that I took on that test, I didn't use it on my day-to-day job, okay? We need programs in place that will gear those kids towards their dream of what they want to do. Uh, you have kids who say, I, you know, I just want to do hair. I, I meet young ladies all the time in school and, and I'm a barber by trade. So, you know, that's that's kind of like a common ground for us when we start talking because I'm a barber and you're a hairstylist. OK. In my role, I feel like I tell them, hey, listen, why don't you just, you know, go to LCC? You know, starting LCC is our local community college, North Community College, right. you know, start pursuing that. I think we should have people and things in place where we can. Guide the kids a little bit better towards what they want to do. If this if this kid want to be a mechanic, we need to have programs in place within the community or school base that would gear that child towards it. And I think you know, when I was in school, we had brick masonry. We had a lot. There you of- go. I, like I was getting ready to see how old you were when you were, yeah. I remember home, home, ec, home, ec, all, all that stuff. stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. But yep. we, we kind of got <laughs> away from it and I don't see a lot of it in school. And yep. I think right now, and even some of the kids say, you know, they don't have nothing like that in school. And I think it should be something mm-hmm. that should be re-implemented back into school. You know, I yep. think um in terms of it, I think it, it, it'll it get the kids a good head start. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need to see more mental health within the community where they're, you know, directly towards kids, because a lot of the young people deal, I'm seeing mental illness in children more than I've ever seen it. And I've only spent about 44 short years on this earth, but I had, I don't recall seeing it as much, you know, in the young people that I'm seeing it now. So I think we need programs in place for that. Um, like you, you said earlier, you know, when we have a program like that, mental health, you know, that would be a gateway to, you know, prevent someone from going to jail, you know, because a lot of problems that, you know, they're facing due to the mental illness, you know, I mean, the only reason the only resort they have is going to jail. Let's be honest. You know, so then I, I think that if you can get programs like that, that's geared towards that, I think we have a better outcome with that.
2: <laughs> um a mouthful. I, I definitely agree. I think the whole school curriculum honestly needs to be changed a little bit. Um, so kids are wanting to actually go to school more because some of the stuff that they're learning, they're not going to actually need when they get older. I mean, let's just be honest. So just like he said, let's bring back in like the home economic stuff. And shoot, if I could learn how to do tax and stuff like that, or fill it out a check, mind stuff like that. I mean, it's really life skills that we need to know. So I feel like that'll also help the kids because they they know that they're going to need this when they get older. So if parts of that can kind of get added back into the school curriculum, I think that'll help them more out and more resources that are free um, because it is a financial burden that's going on right now that has been going on for families. So for them to see that they do have options that they can go to after school that are Mm -hmm. free, um, like it could be a therapist or counselor, Um, just stuff like that, I think kind of needs to be more available.
0: So, you know, I want my listeners to understand that what, what you, you, you're you hearing from individuals that are two SRO school resource officers in Kinston, um, that are talking about children needing these types of resources and the things they're actually seeing on the ground. And you're probably like, well, you know, that's a small community. Yeah, I think it's less than 20,000, 20, 22,000 mm-hmm. persons. Uh, what I also need my listeners to understand, there are 18,000 law enforcement agencies across this country. And the bulk of them, 90 plus percent, have less than 100 police officers. Kinston stands at about, I guess, budgetary 75. Mm -hmm. So this country is made up, with all due respect, of small Mayberries. So if we don't... So this is where the families are. This is where communities are. I'm not saying, you know, I work for Durham 500 plus, and then you have, you know, Memphis 2000 plus those types of, they are the one percenters, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we're talking about community. These two people lived in Kinston, grew up in Kinston. So there's, you know, so they know what they're talking about and they know these individuals and trying to do that. So, Totally agree with everything you guys just got through saying. In fact, it was it's, it's interesting that you got at Ralph. You talked about taxes. Somebody was saying, "Teach them finances. Teach them right. how to how to I invest. That. <laughs> that's
2: a lifestyle.
1: Yeah, that. yeah, all of that.
0: Yeah, all of that is something. I mean, not everybody want to go to college, right? You know, not everybody want to go to college. So at least kind of give them some idea of what they could be. Because um, a friend of mine was uh, was talking about. He's learning air conditioning.
1: heat and air. absolutely. good trade the,
0: and and I ain't gonna tell you how much they charge me when I come to hit to, just to clean my air conditioning. Right. just About just to make fifty
1: dollars. I know it yeah. <laughs> and upwards.
0: To, yeah and then they say, well, you might need this. what I right. just called you here to give me maintenance boots, <laughs> but he, <Yeah. laughs> you know what yeah. that's some money right there. yeah that's that's money plumbing yes. that's I wish I knew how to do somebody's plumbing. That is some yes. stupid money.
1: Just for a house call, yeah.
0: So those are the kind of things, like I said, not everybody, you know, needs, wants to, you know, but I think for me it's like give them at least a solid first 12. Right. Give them that solid first 12. Give them as much as you can. And then the other thing that, that I also put into the space is those, like you guys talking about mental health stuff, resources. Mm-hmm. Put them in the school building. Right. Open up these buildings after hours. You know, Ray Ray and, you know, going to play basketball, like you said, but, you know, grandma going to come see Ray Ray. Whole right. family gonna come. You might be to you might be to handle something with everybody in the building. So why not use the school for resources? Use mm-hmm. those spaces. Open on a weekend, you know. Um, you know, I gotta say, because I just heard this from a, this person that I work with who was telling me go into social services. And she has four kids. She goes to social services to, to fill out applications, right? For whatever she wants goes across the hall to get another service. And she has to do the very same thing in the same building. So we're talking about you're frustrating these marginalized individuals to do stuff. Right. She was saying right across the hall, I just gave this person all this information. I went across the hall to another part of social services and got to give them the same information. And the two of y'all can't connect the stuff. I just gave to person across the hall so First this system th- this system is just
1: it raggedy. Be fixed. <laughs> raggedy
0: yeah and yeah it gets frustrating so yeah i i this has been you guys are awesome yeah you guys are awesome and you're making a difference and i tell me what it is how in this climate as black officers I realize you're in the schools and you're giving them hugs and stuff, but just tell me how it feels for you to be a black officer in this moment, in this climate that's happening. Definitely, just have to, you know, Memphis, you know, the Memphis
1: 5 I'm, I'm BJ. I'm going to be very honest. It's mixed. You're going to have mixed emotions. Um, there are going to be times that, well, there are times that you know, we can turn on the TV and at any given time see something that would say, you know what, that is not what this badge is about. You know, that's right. Um, there are times that I'm at my school or I'm out in the community where, you know, just a regular citizen that uh, or an old friend or see me say, hey, man, I'm proud of you. You know, those nice. are the moments that I'm delighted to have the badge on. So it's so it's mixed. It's really for me, it's just mixed emotions, mixed feelings. I would say overall, I love it because I'm in a position where I can make a difference, you know, there you go. And and one thing, you know, like Ralph said, you know, when I put this badge on, you know, I can't guarantee everybody's wrong or right. I can't. But what I can guarantee is that if I'm working, whoever is working beside me is going to do the right thing. You know, it's not going to happen on my watch that, you, that you're going to do something. If, you know, whatever happens, it's gonna, we're going to do it right. You know, I get it. Sometimes, you know, we make mistakes, we do this and do that. But when it comes to the badge and doing what we swore to do or took an oath to do um, that's just that point where I'm gonna do what I got to do and I'm gonna do it the right way. You know? So again, it's, to me, it's just kind of mixed feelings. Sometimes like going back to the Memphis, like I hate it, you know, it was just one of the moments where I wished it, it never happened. You know, I really wished it never happened. Um, and and you, we're already living in a, a climate where we, we see so many people against their police, you know, well, let's just face it. This right here just took it another step All further, right. you know, so it's just a hard time, I would say. But overall it's still good. I still love it. Still love you that. Go. You know? There you go.
2: There you go. What yeah, about you, Ralph? It's it's definitely hard. I mean, even with little kids, I was in Dollar General the other day and a little girl looked just like me, probably I would say under 10 years old. it was her and her sister. And as I went to the register, because they were already at the register, she hid behind her sister. And she was like, Oh no, I'm uh-huh. I'm scared oh i had some tissue and like soap in my hand i had just got off shift and i was on the way home so i was like let me run to the store real quick so i don't have to do it later and she's like i'm scared I'm, I'm scared of y'all and i oh. was like hold up hello how are you doing you know, oh. I, was like, I'm I was like why are you afraid so i'm just in here just to get some tissue so i can go home like i don't look intimidating right now and she was like oh well you know what she's seen or what she's heard out in the street kind of just made her be afraid And so hearing stuff like that is hard because she's so young. I mean, literally less than 10 years old and she's hiding behind her sister. That's even smaller than her for protection because she sees the uniform, you know, she doesn't know me, hasn't spoke to me or anything, haven't had any interaction, but she's just automatically afraid, you know, she, she was, she shut off. Um, So it's definitely hard, but, you know, I just try to speak with her and say, Hey, if I see you again, give me a high five. I'm going to make sure I give you a high five, you know? So it's it's definitely hard, but you just have to realize, like, people, good people are needed in this profession to change the mindset of little girls like that and, you know, kids like that in general. Um, because you don't know what they're hearing when they go home or out in the street and feeling, like I said, feeling their head up with that negativity. And also what you see just happening on social media definitely doesn't make it any better. So, People are needed in this profession that are willing to kind of put in the work and do whatever is necessary to, like I said, just better that relationship. And even if it just change one person's mind, um, they can influence somebody else. Say, well, hey, I met so-and-so, this officer, and they're not so bad. They're not so intimidating. So that part of it is definitely rewarding, just the hope that one day it'll be a better relationship and stuff kind of will stop that we see that's going on right now.
0: Y'all are awesome. I can't say that (laughs) enough. That's just, uh, that's really good. I think I want to, we can probably wrap this up on that. But I appreciate that. And I really appreciate you putting that story out there, Rouse, Officer Rouse. Um, Because people need to know that because they, I don't think people understand who it's impacting. I mean, we only hear from the adults, (laughs) right? right? But this is a child in a dollar store, right? Afraid of the police right a black female with soap and a tissue in her hand right not threatening at all but but because of what she's seen what the people are telling her what she yeah heard. It, in what she's heard um so yeah, it's a lot of work it's a heavy lift and you're right um and I appreciate both of you saying that the, the heavy lift is on law enforcement it, it, it is it everybody is. in the back, it, it is actually on law enforcement to figure out how to do that um I mean, when I we did the training, uh, you had a, a white officer, white female officer, saying, "You know, I ride through the community and I get flipped off." She said, "What am I supposed to do with that?" You know, and she's all she's doing is a job. You right. know, and she's she's just frustrated. I mean, she's I can tell about how she responded. She's frustrated. She's I I I didn't do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I, I I didn't put my knee on children's neck.
1: You know what? I yeah. think I think it affects the ones who really want to make that difference, who really wanna yeah. make that impact, who really yeah. got into this profession to do the right things. Those are the ones that it really affects, I believe. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And that's a good statement. Yeah. The people that want, and you're right, uh uh, you're right. People that want to make the difference, and that's what we need. We need all kinds of individuals. This this yeah. this is this film that I'm releasing, um, And by the time this podcast is out, basically what I'm saying in that film, for those of you, hopefully will listen to it on the YouTube channel, is we're not dealing with our ancestors, police
1: folks. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Police departments today are more diverse. We're actually Mm -hmm. working, probably working next to descendants of those individuals who architect law enforcement back in the day. So we got we got you know you got black you got women you got Asians you got gays you got trans you got all the the eight police departments are diverse. I mean I'm not they saying are that concerned. there aren't issues, but we need to understand we we want everybody, we want everybody. So I I appreciate that. So yeah, this has been awesome. Yes. You guys you guys have blown. I, I I don't know what I expected, but I didn't. Uh, I really appreciate you speaking your truth.
1: Absolutely, because that's what
0: I want people to hear. Uh, and I also want to just say one more time to remind people, Kinston represents police departments across this country. This is this is about the size of police departments across the country. Right. So if you want to get involved, these are the community. These are the officers that you're going to meet. These are the ones that you need to talk to. These are the ones you need to come in and speak to. These these are the ones who represent these small Agencies who actually are the backbone of law enforcement in this country. So don't get it twisted. It ain't. And I'm not saying anything against the larger one, but this it's right. more of the smaller agencies, ninety percent plus, than it is of large agencies. So in closing, uh, I'm going to start with Officer ralph since I started with you, Officer Newborn. Uh, is there anything that you any parting words, or advice, or whatever you want to say? Go ahead and say it.
2: Uh, parting words, Jess for everyone to just hopefully listen and do whatever that they can to just try to change the climate, change the person that's next to you. Um, just, I really don't know. Just, I have lots
1: of words. <laughs> I would, I would definitely, uh, you know, so kind of, um harp off what um, Officer Rouse said, be the change that you want to see. You know, yeah, we, we, we often can criticize <laughs> and critique law enforcement, But very few people have been willing to put their hand to that plow of law enforcement and do work. Um, I I think that once they do that, it'll be a rewarding job, but they will get the benefits of of making someone else's life a little bit better. Um, I mean, it's it's a job that everybody ain't cut out for. There's an old saying in law enforcement, some are meant to be and some are meant to call. And I think when you realize that you're meant to call is when you make that change.
0: Wow. I appreciate that, and you—you really are old school talking about putting your hands on the plow. (laughs) You real,
1: you you real old school, bro. I'm sorry. Put hands in the plow, do the work. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. You pulling stuff way. You you definitely in eastern North Carolina, buddy. I'm telling you. (laughs) You guys, true. So, thank you to you both. Thank Um, you for having us. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Thank you to uh, your to Captain Jenkins, and especially thank you to Chief Keith Goyette, who is the chief recently appointed the Chief of Kinston. And uh, I appreciate what he does for the community. I appreciate the fact that he understands it's a new day. Yeah. and uh, is, is having these conversations with the community. And I'm honored to to be able to say that I've I, I worked with him. I hopefully uh, consider him a friend. We've been knowing each other now for a while. So the fact that your leadership understands this moment. Absolutely. Uh, uh, says a lot. So thank you to both of you again. And thank so to our us. listeners. Thank you very much for, for tuning in. And uh, I hope hopefully... you invite us back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he wants to you can tell me. I, I, I mean, I don't
1: feel like we was we really got into everything we wanted to, so I think you need to invite us back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Clearly Mewborn's a talker, so we we're make sure he comes back. <laughs> so for those of you uh again who are listening for the first time, I hope you enjoyed what you heard. And also uh by the time again, I want to let you know that uh we have a film out. It was released on uh, February twenty fifth. Uh, the name of the film is hashtag Humans H U E M A N S. A guide to get home. It's about thirty minutes, and my it has what we're calling a new version of the talk. And what we're hoping is that you will tune in and, and look at it. It's gonna be it, it is free to be viewed. So the thing is, kids gamers play for eight hours a week. What I am asking folks to do is sit your child down. And for 30 minutes, have them listen to something and something that could save their lives. So, as always, as we sign off, stay well, be good, peace.